0: If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. All right, let's pray. And uh, we'll get right into the word tonight. Father, I thank you tonight for every person that's here. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives and through their lives. And I thank you tonight for allowing me to come. Lord, I thank you for the leadership of this church. I thank you for their love and their friendship and, and and this family that treats us as a family, our family, with such respect. And honor, Father, I thank you tonight for every person that's here. I ask you that in the next few moments that you will help me to speak these things to your children, that it will minister what you want it to do in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Now, just going to tell you right now, this is my fourth time to speak today, plus one last night. I'm just a little bit tired. So uh, I may not have all of the energy I usually have, but it's still going to be good amen yeah. all right so uh, i want to talk to you tonight as i said a moment ago along the subject that i call when life doesn't play along i want to show you and actually talk to you for the next few moments really and truly from my heart to your heart uh, that this is what i have done and am doing uh, i'm not saying this is the only way to handle things when life doesn't play along But it is working, has worked, is working, and I fully expect it to continue to work in my life, uh, what I have shown. Now, let me give you some background in case by chance you don't know. On May the 4th of last year, uh, my wife Rochelle was diagnosed with stage 4 ovarian cancer. Uh, That then began a very difficult journey, particularly for her, a very difficult journey for her, for me, my children. And our church it culminated on Sunday morning, December the thirtieth at eight forty five in the morning Rochelle passed away. Uh, I was at church that morning, and I want you to understand why because uh, the night before I'd gone and done our Saturday night service and I'd come home and uh, and I noticed that Rochelle had gotten weaker, and I told her I said, you know tomorrow I'm going to let Jared or one of the staff guys do those Sunday services and She looked at me. She said, oh, no, you're going to church tomorrow. I said, no, I'm going to stay home with you. And she said, oh, no, you're going to church tomorrow. I said, no, Rochelle, it's okay. I'm going to stay home with you. And she said, no, you're going to church tomorrow. You have missed too much church. The congregation needs their pastor. You need to speak to them. You're going to church tomorrow. Now, when you're married to somebody for 42 years, uh, if you have any sense uh, you figure out that there's certain points where you might as well just go along with the flow. Right. Right. right? And uh, my wife was only five feet tall, but you really did not want to get in a battle of wills with her. Because you are going to lose. Okay? And so I said, okay, I'll go to church. Well, uh, when I got to church, uh, I got there. Our first service starts at 8.30. We do 8.30, 10.30, 12.30. I got there, and as I pulled up about 820, my son pulled up right beside me, and we both got phone calls, he from his wife, Carla, and me from one of our friends who was at the house, saying that uh, hospice had come while we were gone, and we needed to get home immediately. Uh, for the first time in this eighth-month journey that we had been on, I, Jared and I walked into the, the back of the church. And uh, as we walked in, the music was starting, service was starting. And for the first time, I really didn't know what to do. I had known what to do every time up till that moment. I really did not know what to do. I had no backup plan. Uh, I knew that, you know, when I left the house, and I'm telling you all this detail because I, I don't want you to think that. I hope you know that if I had known she was going to pass away, I would have been at home. I didn't know that okay i I knew she was ill, of course and and but the la- you know and to let you know about my amazing wife, the last thing she said to me on Saturday night was, I will get better and so um, we went inside and and I stood there, and Jared said, What are we going to do? I said honestly, I don't know I mean I'm trying to help somebody. We had thousands of people showing up. All right? Three services. Several, I mean, literally thousands of people are coming. Uh, I knew that no one had a lesson. Nobody had anything. And so I just closed my eyes, and, I, and it's like a, I got a ray of light in my head. And I said to Jared, I said, my son Jared, I said, do you have anything you want to say to your mom? He said, Yeah. I said, I don't. I've said everything that needs to be said. We have said everything that needs to be said between us. I said, you go home, and this is what I'll do. I'll do the first service. I'll have Jimmy and them tape me from the offering on, and then when I get out of the first service, I'll call you, and and you tell me how she is, and then we'll either run the, the DVD, or I'll do the next service, and we'll do that again at the end of that service for the 1230. Cool. As it worked out. Even if we had turned around the moment they called us, we would not have gotten home in time. And uh, so, uh, you know, I went ahead and finished the service. Uh, when I got done, uh, I was standing down front praying for people and talking to people. And as I finished and I was walking back to the back between services, I saw uh, some of my... sorry. I saw some of my security team walking towards me, and I knew uh, by the looks on their faces. Uh, I went to the back, I called all my leaders together, Jimmy, others told them. Uh, We had several moments there together. Uh, Set things in motion, I got in my car, and I've told you all of that to bring you up to this point, because here's where it really begins. Um, I was... By now it was uh, what first service over at 10, what was probably quarter to 11, by the time I, I got in the car and I was driving home. Well, at 10:45, uh, none of my friends are available. All of my friends are pastors. They're all preaching or they should be. And uh, the ones that are out of the country, they're all asleep. So I, I didn't think Brian Houston would appreciate me calling him at 3 o'clock in the morning, even if his phone was on. And so I really had about 25 minutes by myself in my car. And, and uh, so I just got in the car. Uh, I, I really didn't know what to do. I had not made plans for this. Some of you know what I'm talking about. This was not a part of my... Thinking, I had never allowed my brain to go here. My brain had always stayed over here. And, and uh, so, uh, you know, I was in my car and I actually, to tell you the truth, I was by myself and I was just like swirling and I put on some Hillsong music and I prayed this prayer and I, this is the way I pray. Maybe it's not the way you pray. I don't want to offend you. But this is what I prayed, and I said, Lord, I, I, I wrote it down so I can give it to you exactly the way I said it. I said, Father, I can't screw this up. Help me. By this, I meant my life, my children's life, my grandchildren's life, my church, I, the call of God on my life. I said, I can't screw this Help me. Right then, I believe that God gave me four things, or actually five things. Now, it was four the first time I taught it, five now. Five things that he has shown me that has picked me up and has enabled me to go forward and our church to go forward and my children to go forward. And if they'll work for me, there's no reason why they won't work for you. The reality is, is that sometimes in life, life doesn't play along. John, the 16th chapter, verse 33. Jesus said that in this world, you shall have tribulations, temptations, tests, trials, afflictions, persecution. He said you shall have them. As long as you're in the earth, there's stuff that could happen. All right? Uh, There are some of you in this room that right now, you would say there have been things in your life that life did not play along. And so... What are you going to do, right? You got to do something because as much as we would like to call timeout, as much as we would like to hit the reset button, there is no timeout and there is no reset button, right? Like it or not, Monday's coming. Can I hear a good amen? Like it or not, right? Like it or not. I knew that that morning, like it or not, I was going to walk into my house and my children and some of our friends were going to be there. Uh, Like it or not, Uh, that afternoon, I was going to have to announce it to our church. And and within moments, we announced it at 3 o'clock through through, uh, uh, the Internet and Twitter and Facebook and all that. Because that's the quickest way to get things out now. And it went worldwide uh, within literally minutes. And suddenly, I knew that my phone would start ringing and people would start calling me. I knew that people would wake up around the world. And this would go on for several hours of my life. Am I making sense to you, right? And and, uh, and a lot of you did not know Rochelle. Uh, it, it would not be an exaggeration to say that in my city, she was iconic. All right? She was iconic in El Paso, Texas. People still walk up to me and tell me things about the impact. O- outside of church, people that don't even come to church. The impact that she had on on their lives. She was lived a huge life, a big life, all right? And uh, lived life to its fullest, squeezed. I used to tell her, Rochelle, when the day is over, the day waves a white flag and surrenders to you. I said, you beat every day. You beat it to the ground. She said, and? I mean, that's just the way she lived, all right? And so I knew that all of this was going to happen. And so I prayed that day when I say, I can't screw this up. Does that make sense to you? Right? Please, I said, help me. Now, the first thing I knew I had to do, I didn't have to hear a word from God. I didn't have to hear anything. I didn't have to have the Lord to speak to me. I already knew this. I knew this from life experience. I knew it in my own life. And I knew right then in my car before I got home, I knew right then based on Isaiah 40 verse 31. In the King James text, it says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. All right? I knew that verse, but I know the way it should have been translated, all right? What we have come up with, because I don't know why, we didn't study it. I finally one day looked at it and studied it. Anybody can find it. It's in every concordance. You can look it up for yourself, right? It doesn't mean they that wait. Hey, what are you doing, Charles? Waiting. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting. No, that's not what he said at all. In the literal Hebrew text, it says they that gather together before The Lord, they that gather together before the Lord. All right, what he's saying there is, is that if you need your strength renewed, you need to get to the house of God. Right in Matthew the 16th chapter, Jesus said, "Upon this rock I will build my church." In the Greek text, it's the word gathering i will build my gathering in matthew 18 jesus said where two or three gather together in my name you know see we've taken that verse and we we've made it like two guys meet at starbucks well the lord's there he's not talking about two guys meeting at starbucks he's not talking about two guys meeting out in the parking lot he's talking about this He's talking about what happens here on Sunday morning, what happens here midweek, what happens here tonight. This is the gathering of the Lord. Can I get a good amen tonight, right? And God said that in that gathering, when the body of Christ gathers, when we come together as the church, there in that atmosphere, God will renew your strength. And as a result of renewing your strength, you will mount up as on wings of eagles. Listen, I knew in that car that day that emotionally and to some extent spiritually and definitely physically, I was running on fumes. All right? I knew it. But again, like you, I couldn't call time out. I couldn't say, hey, wait a minute put the church on hold, put the kids on hold, put the friends on hold, put the ministry on hold. Charles is going to go over here and take seven or eight months off. I couldn't do that any more than you could. Did anybody know what I'm talking about today? I couldn't do it. That's not life. Well, maybe it's life if you're Bill Gates, but it's not my life. I got to keep punching. I got to keep working just like you do. Amen? And so uh, I knew that as soon as possible, I had to get back in the house of God. I had to get back among the people of God. I had to get where God would renew my strength. And as a result of that, I could run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Am I making sense to you tonight? So thank God, thank God we always have a New Year's Eve service. Right, So the next day, Monday night, we had a New Year's Eve service, and I began to post on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram that I was going to do the, 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 the New Year's Eve service. Well, my goodness, I'm telling you, I had people call me from out of town, people that if I'd mentioned them, you would know who they are. And uh, one person in particular called me and said, I just saw on Twitter that you're going to do the service tomorrow, tonight. She, this lady called me on uh, Monday, and I said, yes, I am. She said, are you crazy? I said, no. She said, I didn't mean that the way it sounded. She said, how can you do that? I said, how can I not? I have got to get where I can get my strength renewed. Listen, when life doesn't play along, don't run from church. Run to church. Get in every service you can possibly get in. I did the Monday night New Year's Eve service. I did our Wednesday night regular midweek service. I did the Friday night memorial service. I did the Saturday night service, all three services on Sunday. I've done every service in my church when I've been in town since then. I've taken extra speaking engagements, and I have not missed a thing. Why? Because I'm determined to have my strength renewed. Am I making sense to you? And I have found that it works. Second thing, go with me to John, the 11th chapter. Are you glad you came tonight? John chapter 11, all right, I want to show you something else that the Lord began to reveal to me uh, that has helped me immensely. John chapter 11, have you got it? All right, John chapter 11, Uh, we're going to read the story of when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, all right? You probably have some knowledge of it, okay? And we're going to look at it, and there's some very interesting dynamics that take place in this chapter. All right, begin with me, please, in verse 18, right? The word has already come to Jesus that Lazarus was sick, and now four days have gone by, and he begins to come to Bethany, verse 18. Now, Bethany was nine under Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. How kind. Don't we agree? Very kind. All right, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Now, watch what happens. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Wow, that is a strong statement. Huh? If my brother, if you'd been here, things would have been different. But watch, watch what she says. But I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of God, God will give it to you. Now, Reading between the lines, we know what she's hinting to, right? She's saying it, but not saying it, okay? How many of you catch what she said? She's, she's hinting to something, right? Now, let's see if Jesus takes the bait, all right? Jesus said unto her, your brother shall rise again. Wow. In West Texas, we call that a bam, right? I mean, Jesus hit the bait. He took it. She said, I'm saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm saying. Even now, Jesus goes, okay, now your brother shall rise again. Watch what she does. Verse 24, Martha said unto him, I know He shall rise again, period, 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 period. period. Nope, in the resurrection at the last day. Now, what happened to Martha? Let me help somebody here. What happened to Martha? Right? What, What happened to Martha? Here's what happened to Martha. It's the same thing that happens to all of us. Right? When life doesn't play along, this is a very natural human reaction, actually. It's very natural. All right, because when life doesn't play along, listen to me now, your natural tendency is to go to the past. If you had been here, my brother would have been okay. Or to the future, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Why? Why do you want to go to the past or to the future? Because there's too much pain in the present. There's no pain in the past. I mean, you can go so far back, there's no more pain. There's no pain in the future. All the pain's in the present. So if you're, if, when life doesn't play along, what you got to do, and it's hard, is you got to let him in. Him who, pastor? The now God. You got to let him into your now. You got to. Let him go to that room in your house where all that pain is and you got to let him, get ready, go into the room with you. He's not going to make you go into the room and he's going to stand on the outside and see how you do. He's going to go in the room with you and we're going to deal with it and we're going to come out and we're going to come live in the rest of the house. So, Jesus replies to her. Look at verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am. I am. Now, you and I have read all of these statements in the Bible of Jesus calling himself, I am the bread of life. I am living water. I am salt. I am light. I am this. I am that. All right? That we don't even think about it anymore. But if you study your Bible, you'll find out quickly that it's when Jesus started referring to himself in this tense calling himself I am, that's when the Pharisees and them really got mad. That's when they first started picking up rocks. That's when they first started wanting to get rid of him. Why? Why did they do that? Because that phrase, I am, was not spoken by anybody. Why? Because that phrase appeared back in Exodus when Moses was standing in front of a bush that was burning and was talking to him. And for the first time in the history of the human race, God was asked by a man what he wanted to be called. Every other time up to that point, men had named God. Men had called him Jehovah. Men had called him El Shaddai. Men had called him all the Elohim. Men had made those names up. But for the first time in the history of God's dealing with man, a man looked at God and said, who do you want us to call you? Who are you? And the voice came back and said, I am that I am. But in the Hebrew, it is the name Yahweh, Yahweh. Yahweh, which in the Hebrew means Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior. That part of the Godhead that was in that bush that day talking to Moses was none other than the same I am that's standing there talking to Martha that day. He was saying the God of Moses is me. I am him. The I am is here. Wow. All right? So he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Write this down, right? This is one night I was in my house. I was having a very difficult time one night emotionally. And I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to tell you that I still have moments. I just had a little moment a second ago. All right? I don't apologize for that. that Does it mean that I'm not doing better? All right? Okay? So he says here, He said, I am the resurrection, right? Now, this is what you discover. If you look that word resurrection up in the Greek text, which the New Testament was written in, this is what Jesus said. Are you ready? He said, I am the stand-up and the recovery. 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 I'm not actually saying that for you. I just like to hear it. I am the stand-up and the recovery. I am the stand-up and the recovery. Now, why is that so powerful to you? Why, is it, why does it mean so much to me? Why do I speak it to myself every day of my life that he is my standard of my recovery? Because there are times, my family, and some of you know this, some of you don't, but some of you do. You're living there. Life can be so crummy that it will knock you to the ground, and you can't get up. I have had people in my office, and I've said, you've got to get up, and they've looked at me and said, Pastor, I'm trying to get up. And I never had an answer for him until I saw this. You don't have to get up. Why? Because he that is in you is the stand up. Let him stand up in you. And when he gets up, you will get up automatically. Because he will pick you up as he gets up off of the carpet. He is the stand-up, and the recovery. Now, I'm going to come back to recovery in a few moments. All right? So... One night in my house, about three o'clock in the morning, I just got up, I was laying in bed, and I got up, and, I, and the Lord led me to this, and I studied it out at three o'clock in the morning, and I saw it, and I saw it like I've never seen it before. I mean, I'd heard it before, I'd taught it before, but i never heard it in this application, right? And I saw it, and I said that night, I said, you know what, Lord? And I got down on my knees, and I threw, and I'm not given to that, but I threw my hands up, and I said, tonight, I let you stand up. And I imagined in my mind, you know, God's given you an imagination to use. And that night I imagined in my mind and I saw myself on the ground and I saw Christ in me and I saw Christ come up on the inside of me. And as he came up, I came up with him. Why? Because he is the stand up and the recovery. Maybe tonight life has knocked you down. Maybe it's run over you like a road grader. Maybe you tried to get up and you can't, well, tonight you can get up because he is your stand-up. Number two, he said, I am am the resurrection and the life. Several weeks later, I realized that that night I got so excited about stand-up and recovery that I never focused on life, and the Lord brought me back to it. Now, I'm going to make a statement to you, and I, I pray that you will hear me as I speak to you, and you'll hear my heart, because if you don't hear where I'm coming from when I say this, you're going to walk out and think I'm not a very kind, nice man, and I am very kind and very nice. I work at being nice. I do. I, I, I'm the first guy to admit I can be a jerk, but I keep that part of me locked in a cage. I don't want anybody to see that part. Okay? Okay. So please hear me what I'm going to say. Several weeks later, I came back and I looked at this word life. And what I, I looked it up and what I discovered is Jesus said, I am the stand up and the recovery. And I am the life that satisfies dwelling in your life. I am the life that satisfies dwelling in your life. Now, here's the thing that you got to hear me and please understand where I'm coming from. On eight, at 8.45 in the morning on December the 30th, Rochelle left me. Jesus did not. And what I did not do and I would encourage you not to do is to say to yourself... I cannot live without that. I cannot live without him. I cannot live without her. I know what you mean, but I loved Rochelle with all my heart. Still do. She knew it. But family, she did not give me life. Jesus is the life that satisfies, and he is the only being that any of us will ever know that has the power to stand in that place in your life you cannot put that on a spouse or a child or a friend you cannot they are not equipped to handle that kind of responsibility Did you catch all that? Still like me? Okay. Notice I didn't ask you if you love me. I'll just settle for like after that one. All right? So, uh, he gave me life. What I discovered that night, again, I was in my my house, in my bedroom again, is I, I still have to live. I can't quit. I still have to live. He, and only he, is my life that satisfies. Now, further on in the chapter, are you learning anything? Is this good? We doing all right? Yeah. Further on in the chapter, I want you to notice in verse 33 and verse 38, it says that Jesus groaned. Did you ever notice that? That Jesus groaned. All right? And so I was really drawn to that. I found that very interesting that Jesus groaned. So I looked up the word groaned. In the Greek text, it means to become indignant and to roar. To become indignant and to roar. To become indignant and to roar. When life doesn't play along, you've got to be careful, hear me now, that you don't slide into passive acceptance, all right? That in fact, you become indignant. I'm going to tell you the truth tonight, I am so angry that Rochelle left at 63 years, oh, don't tell her, don't tell anybody, don't let her know I told you how old she was, all right? Actually, she was 62, all right? Uh, She wasn't supposed to go. No one will ever convince me she was supposed to go. Ever. I'll never accept that until the master himself looks at me and tells me, I'm not going to accept it. I am indignant. I became indignant about the whole thing. Still am. That's why I'm willing to come and talk to you about it tonight. So it's all right to become indignant. The word indignant means... Uh, anger aroused by something unjust. Okay? The other thing is, some of you, a couple of you in here tonight, you need to get your roar back. R-O-A-R. You need to get your roar back. You need to get your roar about life. You need to get excited about life again. You can't feel guilty because you're still here, because you're still living, right? You've got to get your roar back back you got to get it back God put it in you the lion of the tribe of Judah lives in you amen Amen. so let your roar come back about life amen all right here's the third thing the Lord showed me right I won't take you there you can go home and look at it for the sake of time Uh, a few weeks later actually all this was pretty much piled up on top of each other huh Jimmy it all kind of came to me really quick And uh, because I would share in staff meetings with the guys, things that I wasn't even preaching out in public yet, all right, about what I was doing in my life because all of them were concerned about me and my own kids too. I was sharing with them, this is what I'm doing, this is what the Lord's showing me because all of us were having to get our roar back, all right? And so the next thing that, that the Lord took me to was this amazing set of scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul goes through this list of things that happened to him. Have you ever read that list? Right? I'll just summarize it. you right. He said, I was beaten with whips five times. Did you see the movie The Passion? That was once. Now, I'm not downgrading what the Lord went through because it was worse than anybody's because he was made to be sin and he bore our sickness and carried our pains. But Paul went through that five times. Can you imagine what his back looked like? Five times. He was beaten with rods Three times, beaten with sticks, three times. He was stoned to death. And I'm not talking about stoned. I'm talking about like with rocks. He was stoned (laughs) to death. Remember when you were a kid and somebody chunked a rock at you and hit you? Remember how bad it hurt? Imagine somebody hitting you with rocks until you die. How bad that hurt. Stoned to death. On top of that, he was shipwrecked, spent a night and day in the ocean. Are you kidding me? Last May, I was in South Africa, and we went cage diving with the great white sharks. No, I'm telling you, when it gets dark, Charles is going to heaven. (laughs) I'm just telling you. Like it or not, Lord, I'm coming. Here I come, right? Wow. Okay? So night and day, he's been in the deep. Not only that, the Bible said that he was robbed, he was stolen from, he was betrayed by fellow Christians, false brethren, by friends. He was in danger all the time of robbers. He was robbed. How about that, right? All of this amazing list of things he went through. And I I read it one day, and I I actually said to the Lord, I said, okay, Lord, I read it. I said, I've read this verse many times. You know, I've actually taught out of this verse. And he said, there's one thing you've never seen. And I said, what? He said, notice what Paul never said. And I said, what? Why me? And you know, he could have. I mean, come on, let's be real tonight. You know, Paul could have said, hey, hey, whoa, 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 Lord, why me? Why me? Why not Peter? You know, he is the one that denied you three times, right? Not only denied you, cussed to prove that he didn't know you. So, what about Peter? Oh, no, nothing ever happens to Peter. Peter walks down the streets and people come out, oh, it's Peter, it's Peter, it's Peter. Me, Paul, I haven't, oh, I used to persecute the church for a little while, but since then, I've been straight and narrow. I've been walking this thing out, right? And why me? Why am I the one getting beaten? Oh, Peter? Hey, what about Thomas? Remember him, Lord? Remember Thomas? I'm not gonna believe, I won't believe. I've never said I won't believe. From the day you appeared to me on the, on the road to Damascus, all I said was, Lord, I believe, and I've been going forward. What about Thomas? Why me? He never said, why me? And you know what? You know what I learned from that? Is that I had to settle in my life that what went on between Rochelle and the Lord is between Rochelle and the Lord. It's none of my business. The second thing that I discovered was, and I looked at that list was, is that, you know what? I'm not the first man to lose his wife early, and I won't be the last. Sad to to say, I won't be the last. The entire universe did not align to get me. Amen. All right. Can I take you a little bit further tonight? Uh, Go with me now to 1 Samuel chapter thirty. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 30. <clears throat> Are we doing all right on time, Pastor? Yeah, we're good. 1 Samuel chapter 30. All right, I will get you out by the fourth quarter. First Samuel <laughs> chapter, no, 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 you're going to get out sooner than that because I want to go watch too. First Samuel chapter 30. All right, we're going to read about David. Okay, now those of you know anything about David, you know that David wasn't always how do we say it? He didn't always live right. Is that, a nice, is that a complimentary way to say it? Okay. He didn't always live right. However, at this time in his life, he is living in Ziklag. Ziklag is a city in the land of the Philistines. He's living in the Philistines because Saul is trying to kill him. David was not afraid of Saul. David didn't want to kill Saul. Saul. He had the power. He had the ability. He could have done it on several occasions. So, you know, this, this is a side teaching off of what I'm teaching you right here. You know, and what you learn from that is, so David just got up and moved to the land of the Philistines. There are times in your life when you may meet one or two people in your life that are just so ornery and cantankerous and mean that there's no way you can make peace with them. You just need to separate yourself from them. You just got to get away from them. Now, if you're married to him, come see pastor. All right? Uh, That's out of my ballpark. This is not El Paso. Amen? So, but here in this chapter, in the 29th chapter, verse 6, the king of the Philistines said to David, you are living an upright life. All right? So at this time, he was doing good. Why do I point that out to you? Because I'll say it. There are times in life when really crummy things happen to good people. Amen. All right, Rochelle was good people. She was more than good people. Okay? So, what are we going to do now? So what's happened is David and his men went to fight for the Philistines against Israel. The princes of the Philistines did not trust David and his men, so they wouldn't let them fight, so they sent them back to Ziklag. So I think any fight that you go to that you don't have to fight is the beginning of a really good day. Amen? How many of you agree with that, right? It's, It's a good day. All right, so they come back, so they were gone a day and a half, and it took a day and a half to come back, so they're gone three days. Verse 1, it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. That's a bad day, but it's going to get worse. And taking the women captives that were therein, they slew not any, neither great or small, but carried them away and went their way and David and his men came to the you know it have been bad enough to burn their houses and leave their families but they burned their houses and took their families so David and his men came to the city and behold it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives imagine how in a matter of moments isn't life fragile In a matter of moments, you can go from having a great day to a really crummy day. Okay? And so here's David and his men. Verse 4. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Now, that is an emotional state I cannot imagine. I found in my almost eight months now, that every time I want to weep, I have the power to weep. I cannot imagine, nor do I want to find out what it would be like to come to the place where you try to weep and there's no more power to weep. I cannot fathom that, don't want to, have no desire to go there, okay? But that was the place that David and his men wept. All right? Or went. All of them together. Did you see all that? Now, I want to show you right now. There's nothing wrong with weeping. All right? Now, you know, you're here tonight and you say, well, that's not very manly. Oh, I wouldn't tell David and his men that they weren't men. Mm, The boys that ran with David were uh, bad to the bone. Bad boys. All right? All right? Some of the baddest that have ever been on the planet. Okay, jump with me down to verse 6. So do we agree that they started out good, went to bad, now it's worse. Now it's going to get worser. All right? I know that's not good grammar, but how many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Watch what happens. Now watch this. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. It's an interesting reaction. Don't you find that interesting? Right? So the, now watch this, because this, you need to see this, right? Everyone is weeping together, David and the men. But what you're going to see is, is that now they're all going to come to what I'll call, for teaching purposes, a crossroads. And the people are going to go down one road. David's going to watch them go down that road. And he's going to choose to go down another road. All right? Notice what it said. It said that the people spoke of stoning David. Now, can I ask you a question tonight? If they stoned David, is that going to bring their houses back, their wives back, their children back, their possessions back? Nope. Nope. In fact, I'm going to take it a step maybe you've never considered. In fact, they stoned David and their protection from the king of the Philistines leaves. He'll now kill them. They're allowed to be in Ziklag because of David. They killed David. they dead meat. It's an interesting human reaction, isn't it? That when life doesn't play along, we want to find somebody to blame. Hmm? And usually you don't have to look very far. But David did not burn their houses, take their wives and their children. Now, later on in life, he was prone to take wives, but here he was not. <laughs> oh, you've got to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Amen? Here he was not. He did not take these men's wives. He did not take their children. He did not burn their houses. The problem here was not David. When life doesn't play along, you got to make sure that you know who the real source of your trouble is. Wow, that was worth coming just to hear that for somebody. All right? got to know who the real source of your trouble is. Hang with me a couple more minutes and we'll be done. All right? So it says here that David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. The word grieve there in the Hebrew text is bitter. They became bitter. Right? Watch now. All of them are weeping. See the picture? They're all weeping. They're all going down this emotional road together. They're all weeping. They're all weeping. There's no more power to weep. And now they come to a crossroads. Right? And all of the people went down this road and they became bitter. Right? They became bitter towards David. They became bitter bitter, all right? If you don't get anything, I pray tonight, out of what I'm sharing with you, please get this. No matter what goes on in your life, I beg you, do not let bitterness get into your heart. Don't let bitterness get into your soul. And let me tell you why. I've done a lot of study on this, okay? There's two negative human emotions spoken of in the Bible as having a root as having a root. One of them is the love of money, and the other one is bitterness. And if you know anything about roots, you know this. You can plant a tree in your backyard, and the roots can come up in your house, can come up in your front yard. Years ago, somebody, I don't know who, came up with a brilliant idea in El Paso, because we have very few trees and even less water, that we needed to plant these trees all over our city called non-bearing mulberry trees. They're huge trees. They don't need a lot of water. All right. And, uh, and they provide great shade. And so people plant, I'm Thousands of them all over the city. Now they've outlawed them, and they make you cut them down and and take them out out of your yards. Why? Because they found 20 years later that the sidewalks in the front yard were buckling from the roots of the mulberry trees in the backyard. Because they would send their roots under the house, come up, buckle the sidewalks to get to the sewer lines that were going down the middle of the streets. That's the nature of roots, my family. You think you can control bitterness in one area of your life, and maybe you can for a year, or maybe you can for five years. But in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, the dictionary defines bitterness, get it, as intense hostility. And in 20 years of your life, you're going to wake up, and you're going to be all by yourself. Nobody's going to want to be around you anymore because they're going to get fed up with your hostility. I'm telling you, I'm not judging you. I'm trying to help you. I know a lady right now that's 85 years old. Bitterness got into her life when she was 10. She thought she could control it. And now at 85, she has no family, never sees her grandkids, never sees her great-grandkids, never sees anybody. Why? Because everybody is fed up with her bitterness. Now... She could justify it. She had a good reason. She could justify it. I'm not saying she didn't have a good reason. She had a great reason. But look what it's done. She never dreamed that it would spread. Am I helping anybody tonight? Right? So you can't let bitterness. And if you have, ask God tonight to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and dig that root out of your life before it goes even further than you ever intended. All right? Now, David watches this. Okay, hang with me now. David sees this, right? He sees the men become bitter. And David, he goes a different path. Look what it says. But David, right? So it shows that he sees that, but he goes another way. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. In the Hebrew text, the word Lord there is Yahweh. He goes to Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior. That's who he goes to. Now, he doesn't understand the lordship of the triune part of God like we do. He doesn't have the benefit of the New Testament. He just knows there's a part of the nature of God that is Yahweh, Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior. In case you don't know this, the Hebrew language not only is a, is a letter language with a word definition, it is also a picture language. Above every, every Hebrew word, there's a picture that helps define what that word, that letter can mean. And many times in the Hebrew language, you you get a definition not only from the word itself and the definition, you get a definition of the word by the pictures that the word paint based on the letters that are in the word. And the word Yahweh in the Hebrew means the hand of grace pierced by grace. So all the way back in Genesis, I mean in Exodus, God was saying, I am Yahweh, the hand of grace that will be pierced because I deal with you graciously. I'm going to do this to myself. (laughs) That's who David went to. David said, I'm coming to the hand of grace. I'm going to come into the hand of God's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. I'm coming to the hand of grace. Isn't that powerful? And so he comes to him and it says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God encouraged himself in Yahweh, his God. All right? And now, write this down. The word encouraged is the key word. It means two basic definitions. Number one, it means to cleave or to fasten, to cleave or to fasten. So David fastened himself to the Lord. The men went one way, he went to the Lord. But write this down, and this is the part that literally jumped me out of my life one night, again in my house, when God had me go back to this. And I saw it, and I studied it, and I saw it like I'd never seen it before. The word encouraged in the Hebrew text literally means to choose to be recovered. 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 recovered. Right there that day. David looked at everything, his wife's gone, his stuff's gone, everybody's turned against him, and David goes to Yahweh, in fact, went to Jesus, we know him as Jesus, and said, because of you, I choose right here, right now, I choose to be recovered. I'm not going to recover, I choose to be recovered. Right here, right now, I choose to be recovered. Recovered. And several months ago, one night, again in my house, I got up, got on my knees, and I said, If David can do it, I can do it. David did not know you like I know you. And I choose right here, right now, to be. I'm not going to get better. I am better. I choose right now to be recovered. Why? Because you are my stand up and my recovery. Amen? And if I can do it, you can do it. Now watch what David does next. Are you glad you came? Watch what David does next. Right? Verse 8. Then David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? Notice what he didn't pray. He did not pray. Lord, teach me how to cope with this. Why? Because that's not recovery. Hmm? I want you to notice, when life doesn't play along, at some point, you got to get back in the game. you got to start attacking life again. you got to get your roar back. Amen? you got to get back in the game. Why? Because he is the life that satisfies. Amen? So David said, shall I pursue? There was no passive accepting, right? He said, shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? Now, watch, what, watch how the Lord answers. He said, pursue, overtake, and without fail, recover. David asked for two things. God gave him three. David said, shall I pursue and overtake? God said, you shall pursue, you shall overtake. And also, I am the God that is exceedingly abundant, Above of all you could ask or think, you'll also recover. Now, when I saw this, this is what I said, and I just offered to you as a suggestion. I am not defining what my recovery is. I have no idea what my recovery is. I don't want to define it. I'm going to let the stand-up and the recovery define my recovery. Right? Whatever that recovery may be. I will tell you this, that a part of that recovery is, is that in the month of January, our church grew 30%. Just 30%. Boom. And now, our church now is bigger than it's ever been. Why? Because me, my family, my leadership, our church as a whole have decided that He is our stand-up and our recovery. And if we can do it, you can do it. Last thought, number five, and then I promise we will be done. Go with me to Revelation chapter 1. You got to attack life again. Can I hear a good amen? amen. As hard as you think it is, you got to do it. you got to attack life again, and you can do it because here's your stand-up and your recovery. All right? Revelation chapter 1. Here's the last truth that came to me not that long ago. Verse 8. Have you got it? Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. I am Alpha and Omega The beginning and the ending. Now, this is what I discovered. Most people, I think, look at this like I looked at it for a long time. That Jesus is Alpha. He's Alpha, beginning. And then long, 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 long down here, He is Omega, ending. No, no. He is both at the same instant. I am Present tense, I am Alpha in the same instant I am Omega. I am Alpha, I am Omega. Okay, let me read to you what the Lord showed me. Can I read it to you? Jesus needs to be in my beginnings and in my endings. He is beginning and ending at the same time in every moment. He is Alpha and Omega in every moment. He is both in every moment. So when one thing ends, he is beginning something new. Did you hear me? When one thing ends, he's instantly beginning something new. Why? Because he is Alpha and Omega in the same moment. He is both at the same time. Hebrews 12 said, He is the author and finisher. See, we think author, finisher. No, he's author, finisher. Same moment. You can go home and look it up for yourself tonight. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 14, Psalm 48, 2, clearly shows you that Satan has always wanted Jesus' position. He wanted to control heaven. He wanted to control the earth. And he wants to control your beginnings and your Endings, And if you're not aware of it and you don't pay attention to it, he loves to try to camp in your endings. He wants to come and sit in your endings. What he wants to do is he wants to fill your endings with sorrow, hopelessness, pain, abandonment, fear, grief, and ultimately bitterness. He wants to be your Omega what you need to do is kick that sucker out of your endings and let Jesus camp in your endings so that he can bring you a new beginning. Amen? Why? Because he is your life that satisfies. Amen. If you learned anything tonight, would you give the Lord a great hand clap? Praise God. Wow. Stand to your feet with me, please. Thank you. You've been very patient with me tonight. Thank you. Took me a little longer than I thought, but thank you. You stuck with me. Would you lift your hands towards heaven? Can I pray for some people tonight? At this point, uh, the natural tendency would be to ask people to come forward, but I've discovered that when people have gone through things that life doesn't play along, they don't always want to step out. They don't always want people to see them because some things are very private. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to pray for people right where they are. It doesn't matter if I see you or know you. I'm not your Alpha. I'm not your Omega. I'm not your stand-up. I'm not your recovery. I'm just the pipe that brought the water, but the water's here. So would everybody just close your eyes and lift your hands towards heaven? I'm not going to ask anybody to single themselves out. Father, in the name of Jesus, I know that in a room this size, there's got to be one, two, maybe five, maybe more. People that have things in their life where life did not play along. Maybe they lost someone or something. Maybe something was taken from them. Maybe they had the horrible misfortune of having a bad human in their life. Tonight, Lord, I pray for them. I pray that you reach into their hearts, reach into their souls, reach into their emotions tonight. And I ask you tonight, Lord, that if there's those in here tonight that there's a part of their life and they just can't get up, that tonight you will stand up inside of them. You will stand up in their hearts. You will stand up on the inside of them and bring them to recovery. And I believe tonight, Lord, that right here, right now, right here, right now, there are people in here right here, right now that are saying to you, if David can do it, I'm going to do it. Tonight, I choose to be recovered. Give me my roar back. I don't know what that means, Lord, but do it we choose to be recovered in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for letting me come and speak to you tonight. I'm going to turn it back over to your pastor. Give him a great hand clap as he comes tonight thanks for listening to our podcast we want to invite you to join us in service sundays at 9 30 a.m 11 a.m or 1 p.m and wednesdays at 7 p.m please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events you can also like us on facebook and follow us on twitter and instagram at one cause church if you'd like to partner with our ministry you can now donate securely online just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.